so this morning, uh, we are continuing our series from last week. Uh, when, the way I approached Father's Day this year is the Lord just really had a first and second Timothy on my heart. And so I was looking at first and second Timothy, praying, just reading through it over and over. And I started um, copying and pasting um, off my online Bible um, all the direct instructions that Paul had to Timothy. And as I laid them all out, it took about three pages, and as I laid those all out, I began to look for patterns or themes, and four themes emerged. And uh, last week, we talked about the first theme of staying faithful, of just, he was saying, uh, uh, Paul had appointed uh, Timothy as a pastor of the church of Ephesus, and so he's saying, just stay faithful. You know, when things get hard, when things get tough, don't give in, don't give up, stay there and be faithful. And so we talked about that last week and about just being faithful. And I know the context for what I'm talking about is, is an apostle to a pastor, is, a, is a, one that would be a, a, a in vocational ministry. But as I've talked about, the application is so much larger than that, that as you read First and Second Timothy, I'd encourage you to do that in your devotional time. Uh, just read through a few chapters a day. You'll be able to read it several times um, over the next couple weeks as we finish this series. But you'll begin to see these themes, and, and, and the things that we're talking about don't just work in church, don't just work in, in ministry, because you'll see a lot of instructions on, on church life in First and Second Timothy. They're what's called part of the pastoral epistles. But what you'll see is these same principles are true in our home. The same principles are true in our jobs and in our relationships with others. And so what, is, what, what Paul's telling Timothy is true on so many different levels. And just as we talked last week about staying faithful, that's just not about a ministry in a local church. It's, we talked about being faithful to our families, being faithful in our jobs. And, and as we continue to be faithful, how God will reward that. And there'll be great blessing that will come from it. And so that was last week. This week, um, we're, the, the second theme that we're going to talk about is the theme on how to treat others. How to treat others. Because Paul gives Timothy some very um, specific instructions on how, on how to treat others. And so I want to set the kind of the context. I want to set the atmosphere for this morning, for this instruction. So when you hear the words, you know, how to treat others, there could be a couple of uh, different mindsets that come to mind. One could be, as a parent, I know no parents here have ever said this, but as a parent, maybe there's a parent somewhere that said something to the effect of, hey, be nice to your sister. Hey, be nice to your brother. Cut that out, you know? I know none of us would ever do that, but I'm sure somebody somewhere has said something like that. So, but that's not the heart. That's not really the attitude that Paul's talking to Timothy with. That's not the, con- the, the atmosphere. The way I picture this atmosphere, because it's a letter from a Paul who loves Timothy very dearly, who is his, it's his spiritual son, and so he's imparting wisdom to him. The picture I have in my mind would be a, a couple of people that are, that are sitting on a front porch, and they're rocking on the front porch, or they are, they're, they're, they're sitting around a, a table drinking coffee and just talking. And have you ever been in the presence of somebody that's wise, somebody that is respected, somebody that you really value, and you just, you're just absorbing everything you can get from that person? You're just soaking it in. It's like, it's like food. It's like nourishment. It's like a cold drink on a hot day. That's the kind of um, atmosphere I want to paint. Um, I used to have the privilege of, of writing uh, with Heather's, uh, she called him his, her, her papa. And I'd ride with her papa on his truck. He had a 
time he had a red Dodge, and when we lived in West Plains, I got to spend quite a bit of time with him, and I used to ride with him to the farm or to the hardware store. Or, uh, he helped us remodel a house. We spent a lot of time together riding in his truck together. So we'd go down to Arkansas to get stuff, and, and I just remember those trips. I just remember just the wisdom, just the life that he imparted to me of just having conversation, of just learning from somebody that was further down the road than I was and somebody that I wanted to emulate and somebody I wanted to be like. And so that's the picture that I have in my mind of what Paul has given Timothy, not these have-tos, but these, you know, this really works well in life. If you really want to make a difference, Paul is telling Timothy, these are the things that you really want to have in your life. These are things that you really want to do. And he's telling them one of them is the way you treat others. He's saying the way you treat others is really, really important. Uh, You know, I'm convinced of this. I'm convinced that at the end of the day, when somebody's been around you, what they're going to remember is not going to be how smart you are, although I know some of you are brilliant. But it's not going to be your smarts. At the end of the day, after somebody's been with you, they're not going to remember how beautiful you are, although many of you are very beautiful. At the end of the day, they're not going to remember how witty you are, although many of you are very witty. You know what I really think people remember? I think people remember how they feel. How do people feel in your presence? When people leave you, when people are no longer with you, whether it's been for five minutes or five days or whatever, how do they feel? What is the feeling that they have? That is what is the lasting impression that stays with them. And Paul gets that. So Paul's saying, hey, it's important how we interact with each other. It's important um, how, we, how we treat each other. And so there's four things that I'm going to point out in First and Second Timothy this morning on how we treat each other. The very first one is, and, I, and this is kind of like out of left field. You wouldn't really expect it. But he instructs them to treat others this way. He, expect, he wants them to treat others with prayer. With prayer, how do you treat others with prayer? How do you do that? But this is a very specific instruction he gives, he gives Timothy in, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. He says, the first thing I want you to do is pray. Now, how important do you think that would be if it's the first thing? How many know first things are priorities, aren't they? He said, the very first thing I want you to do is pray. This is how I want you to pray. The message says, I want you to pray every way you know how and for everyone you know. That about covers it, doesn't it? Pray every way you know how to pray and pray for everyone you know. And what he's saying here is he's not saying to pray in ways which you don't know to pray. Because don't we often just feel insecure and inadequate in our prayer life? And we think about how poorly we can't pray. And the devil sure reminds us of that, doesn't he? But that's not the instruction. He's not saying pray how you don't know how to pray. Pray how you do know how to pray. And so pray. And who do you pray for? You pray for everybody. You see, as you pray for people, doesn't your heart begin to change? Don't you view people differently? Don't you see things differently? Well, I know I've had interactions and I've had situations where I've, I, I've wanted to talk about people, but instead of doing that, I've talked to the Lord about people. And when you talk to the Lord about people, then he begins to give you a heart for that person. And, and in situations where I've had difficulty, you know, often I don't see the other person change, but as I pray for them, I see God change me, and I see God change how I view them, and through that often I see, I see situations change, even if the other person doesn't change, because God changes me. 
And so one of the most important things we can do for others is pray. Now, the NIV, in this, this verse, he tells them how to pray. He says, with request, with prayers, with intercession, and with thanksgiving. There's four different words there used for prayer in the NIV. The, the word request means your desires or your needs. That, that's a great place to start in prayer of where your needs are, what your desires are, of, of what's on your heart, what's heavy on your heart. That that's, that's a valid, valid way to pray. It's a valid way to pray for others, that you pray for what you know is troubling somebody else, how you know what's impacting somebody else, that you pray for them. That's the instruction we have. One way that we treat others is we treat, we bless them through prayer. We encourage them. We strengthen them. We um, ask for divine assistance on their behalf through prayer. The second uh, word in the NIV for prayers is prayer. And the Greek meaning of that word is prayer. Imagine that. Prayer means prayer. And so what it, what it, what it means, though, is it means private prayer and public prayer, that we're praying all the time, that whether we're alone or whether we're in public, that we are people of prayer. The third word used is intercession. And the word study behind that word is there's two aspects of it. The first aspect is conversation. That prayer at the most basic form is simply conversation with God, of interacting with him, that we're talking to God, we're, we're taking time to listen. We're, it's not just a one-way conversation. I mean, a conversation is not just one way. Conversation's two-way, that we take time to listen, that it's a conversation. Then also the meaning of this word is petition, that we, we, we bring our petitions to him. And then the fourth word, thanksgiving for prayer, it's, it's one of the four used in the, in the NIV. The Greek for that word is where we get the transliteration in English of the word Eucharist. Or the, or the Lord's Supper, which we're going to participate in at the end of the service. That, that, that is, he's saying that's a priority. That's important that your people in the body of Christ that are, that are participating in the Lord's Supper, that that's a part of your life. And so he says, treat others with prayer. First Timothy 2, 8 and 10 says in the message, says, since prayer is at the bottom of all of this, that prayer should be the foundation of our life. Prayer should be the, the foundation of, of, of everything, including our interaction with others. That what I want mostly is for men to pray. That the Lord's calling us to be men of prayer. He talks to ladies a little bit more specifically about something else in the next verse. But to the men, he says, men, I want you to be men of prayer. Not shaking angry fists at enemies, at those that are giving you a hard time, and harassing you, but raising holy hands, hands set apart to God raising holy hands to him in prayer, that we would be men of prayer. And that's, what, that's, that's Paul's instruction to Timothy. So the very first way that we interact with, we treat others, is with, is with prayer. The second one is with kindness, to treat others with kindness. You know, kindness is a beautiful thing. Kindness is something that's more value. You can't buy kindness. I mean, you can buy fake kindness, but you can't buy real kindness. And and we see here, in, in, in fact, I would really encourage you to read uh, Timothy uh, 5, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 5. We don't have time to cover it all today. I'm just going to talk about the first couple of verses. But these, this is the instruction uh, that, that Paul gives Timothy on how to treat others with kindness. Um, the message says, don't be harsh or impatient with older men. Speak with respect and honor. Honor younger women like, your sis, like they're your sister. Honor old women like they're your mom. And take care of destitute widows. The, the New King James says, Do not rebuke an older man, but exhort him as a father. Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with all purity. And honor widows who are, who are really widows. And so what, 
what Paul does here is he teaches Timothy, he's teaching them to treat with kindness um, those that are, could be very easily marginalized in relationship, the, the old and the young of the widow, those that, those that could be not always included, not thought about, not incorporated, not uh, treated with the same level of respect or honor or inclusion into people's life of kindness. He's saying go out of your way. Go out of your way to, to be kind to those that are older. Go out of your way to be kind and embracing of those that are younger and those that are true widows. And he spends the next, you know, next portion of this talking about those that, that don't have family, that serve the Lord, that, that don't have anything, widows. And it's like it is the responsibility of the church to take care of people in that, in that situation. And, and so he talks here about, about um being kind, not speaking harshly to older men. And the word there really means encouraging, that you'd be encouraging to older men and, and that you treat them as you would your father is, is, is the context here. Of, of how, of, he's teaching them how to lead somebody that's older than him. And, you know, something that I've, I've run, aclo- run across uh, the last uh, several years is, and this is an interesting dynamic, and those of you uh, that lead businesses or have employees. I'm curious to get some feedback from you at some point if you've experienced this as well. But a phenomenon that I've experienced is younger men who do not know how to lead men who are older than them. Men who are maybe intimidated, maybe men who are um, afraid or don't trust older men. And in, lead, in, 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 in mentoring men in, in, in leadership in the church, that's one of the things I've even had to help several different people walk through. And as I've really got to the, to the nuts and the bolts of what it is, I've come to realize that there's become such a void of fathers in our culture, in our country, in our families, that, that younger men actually don't know how to, how to interact with somebody older than them. They just don't. And so they, so they avoid them. So they just don't don't do it. And I've used this verse to teach younger men because they don't, they don't know who a father, they don't have that relationship of, of you want to do it with honor, you want to do it with kindness, you want to do it in encouragement. And if you do those things, then a man that's older than you will respond to you because you've given place to them. Does, does that make sense? And so it's, this is so, so practical in every aspect of our life. That as we encounter um, women who are older than us, that we are we're honoring of them, that we make sure that they're taken care of, that they have a place of honor. That those that are younger, that, that say that you treat uh, younger men like they're your brothers, the younger women like they're your sisters. And, and really, this has a whole dimension of aspect of purity to it. That those of you that are single, that, that as you're interacting with, um, you're dating, that remember that first of all, it's your brother or sister in Christ. And if they're not your brother or sister in Christ, don't be dating them, right? But that that's your brother or sister in Christ, and that that's your sister. Would you do that with your sister? I don't think so. You know what I'm saying? But it's just that you would honor. That would be that place, that place of purity um, in, in your life, that you'd really view them that way, and that there would just that this kindness. Because we know the Lord told his disciples that the world's going to know them by their love for each other. And Paul's telling Timothy, you have to be really intentional about being kind, about, about giving place in your life to these other people. 2 Timothy 2, 24 says, gentle to all, able to teach, and patient. Being a gentle person. 
Uh, the, I like the way the message. I, I I think I like the message in First and Second Timothy so much because it sounds conversational and it sounds more like a real letter. It just it has more of that personal feel to it. And so uh, Paul says this to Timothy. He says, "God's servant must not be argumentative." Now, now here this is not just limited to uh, Paul. Uh, Timothy being God's servant because he's pastoring this church. How many of you here would say you're God's servant? Can I get an amen, right? Like we're all servants of the Lord. There's not a discrepancy here. So he's speaking to you. He says God's servant must not be argumentative. That's not who we should be. But a gentle listener. Isn't that a great description of somebody? To be a gentle listener. One who would be quick to listen, slow to speak, and a teacher who keeps his cool. That we'd be that, and we again, we talked last week about teaching isn't just from a platform. Teaching is imparting who you are and what you know to somebody else. You're one who keeps it cool, working firmly but patiently with those who refuse to obey. And he's here, he's teaching about correct doctrine, helping those that are resistant to that. You never know how or when God might sober them up with a change of heart and a turning to the truth. You see, we treat, we treat people consistently. We treat people kindness, gentleness, and we leave it up to the Lord to change their heart. Enabling them to escape the devil's trap where they're caught and held captive, forced to run his errands. And so we want to be people that treat others with prayer. We want to be people that treat others with kindness. Also, we want to be those that treat others with honor. Here he teaches them to treat those around him in his circle with honor. How many you know honor is really lacking in our culture today, isn't it? In school, in our homes, in environments in churches, wherever you may find yourself, there really has been a, really a lost value of honor. And, but here we have clear instruction. You'll see many places, and I didn't have time to list them all out, because uh, even some of those words I used for kindness in chapter 5, honor is used in some of the translations for that. But let me define honor. Honor means to value. It means valuable. It means precious. It means weighty. It means appreciation. It means esteem. It means favor. Uh, the opposite of honor is dishonor, which means to not show respect, to not honor, to not value, to treat as common, to treat as ordinary, to treat as menial, to take it for granted. And, and the Lord's saying, he's saying, he gives them, in fact, he gives them some very specific people to honor. And he says, as you honor these, you know, what you're doing is you're opening your life to them and you're giving them place in your life. You're honoring them. You're, you're valuing them. You're esteeming them. You're counting them as as worthy, and, and, and you're opening yourself up, and, and, and it's just, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing, and it makes a huge difference in our lives. Um, I'll, I'll read a few of the verses that he, that he specifically mentions. He tells Timothy, and so we know that this letter would have been shared with everybody in the church at Ephesus and other churches, and now the church in Springfield even is reading uh, this letter, and so we know it's applicable to all of us, but he says, give honor to leaders who do a good job especially teaching, that there's a place of honor towards them. Second Timothy 1 and uh, chapter 1a, he goes, don't be embarrassed to speak up for the honor of God and, and for spiritual fathers, that, that there's a place for that, he says. And as we look at, at who to honor, I just I made a few notes of who to honor. I went outside of First and Second Timothy, and one of the places I came across was in First Samuel. And, and let me set the story up in case you, maybe you don't know the story of Samuel. But the story of Samuel goes like this. It started with his mother, Hannah, 
Now, Hannah was not able to have a child, and so she had asked the Lord, Lord, if you give me a child, I will give him to you. I will dedicate him to you. And so uh, the Lord gave Hannah a child, and she was faithful to present him to the Lord. She brought him to the Lord. She actually uh, gave him to the priest to raise Eli, and Eli raised him as as a minister's son, as a priest in the house of the Lord. And Samuel was doing great, but the problem wasn't with Samuel. The problem was with Eli and his sons because his sons weren't serving the Lord. His sons were crooked. Uh, They were ripping people off. They were taking advantage of women in the church, and they were stealing, and it was just, it was pathetic. It was horrible. And Eli wouldn't stand up to him. Eli wouldn't uh, draw the line. He wouldn't correct his children, and, and he dishonored the Lord by doing that. He valued the opinion that his kids had towards him more than he valued God's opinion and what God thought. And, and so God had made him a promise that his family would be, would be um, there'd be generations and generations of them that would be priests. And God had to take back that promise because Eli disqualified himself. We see 1 Samuel chapter 2.30 Uh, It says, therefore, the Lord, the God of Israel declares this, I promise that your house and the house of your father should go in and out before me forever. That going in and out was was that ministering in the presence of the Lord. But now the Lord declares, far be it from me, for those who honor me, I will honor, but those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. That is, we give the Lord a place of honor, a place of value, a place of esteem in our lives, that his blessing comes upon us, that his hand moves upon us. And when we don't value the Lord, we don't esteem him, we don't honor him, when we don't value him for who he is, then he reciprocates in that way towards us as well. And so it's just, it's a powerful lesson of of really being honoring the Lord and of valuing him and who he is. Another another um, aspect of honoring is honoring our parents. A, Deuteronomy 5, 6, it says, Honor your father and mother as the Lord your God commanded you, that your days may be long, that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. It's the first commandment with the promise that regardless of our age, if our parents are alive, that we honor our parents, that we value, that it doesn't, and I know there can be some difficult situations. Um, there can be healthy boundaries, but you still show honor. You still give honor. And, 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 it, and it's, a, it's a key to success. It's one of those kind of secret sauces, if you will, that there's a promise there. You honor your mother and father, and God is promised. He said, he said, you'll go into the land. You'll have the future that's intended. It will go well with you if you do this. I mean, you know, that's a good promise, right? It's a good promise. Um, not only do we want to honor our parents, but as parents, we want to honor our kids, and speak health into their life. The last verse on this, 1 Peter chapter 2, uh, 13 through 17. Again, again, I like the message. It says this. It says, make the master, speaking of the Lord, make the master proud of you by being good citizens. Respect the authorities, whatever their level. They are God's emissaries for keeping order. It is God's will that by doing good, you might cure the ignorance of the fools who think you're a danger to society. Okay, do you guys think that there is anybody out there that thinks that Christians are, think we're a danger to society? Would anybody? Yeah, there's people that do, don't they? And what's the cure to that? Honor, love, treating with kindness. He says here, he says, He says, exercise your freedom by serving God, not by breaking the rules. Treat everyone you meet with dignity. 
everyone you meet with dignity. Uh, the, the New King James or the NIV would say, honor everyone. Everybody you meet with dignity. You want to know why? Because every person is made in the image of God. And because each person is made in the image of God, each person is worthy of honor, of dignity, of treating them that way, that every person we interact with we should treat with dignity. He says here, love your spiritual family or love the brotherhood. Love those that you're doing spiritual life with. Revere God, fear God, honor the Lord, and then honor the emperor. It means respect the government. Respect the government. Do that. He's saying honor. Give honor where honor is due. And so how are we taught to interact with others? With prayer, with kindness, and with honor. Jeff, would you come up here? Jeff Vell, I want to, if you don't know Jeff, Jeff is married to Hannah, our children's pastor. And Jeff's kind of the behind-the-scenes kind of guy. You don't, you don't see him up here much. But four years ago, I saw, I saw the Lord just turn Jeff's life all around. We were in Florida. Uh, we had taken all of our staff and spouses and families to uh, uh, our Foursquare Pastors Conference. And we had a special speaker one night. His name's his name was John Bevere, and, and he has a book out called Honor's Reward. And he he shared the message from that book. And if you haven't read that book, I'd recommend it. It's a great book. And and boy, that message just really spoke to Jeff. And Lord just really turned Jeff's life around. And so, Jeff, can you give us a little bit of history about what happened, and then what the Lord's done in your life as you've learned this principle of honor and as you followed it? So, um, to kind of set the stage and give you a background of kind of where I was before I went to that Connection Conference four years ago and, and kind of what everything that happened. Um, at the time I was working, uh, the previous company I'd worked for, um, I'd had a lot of success kind of up until that, that time period. Um, and in the, the midst of all that, I, I got a new boss, and, and um, she was pretty much terrible to me. Um, didn't really help develop me at all. All the previous success that I'd had didn't really matter, so I got demoted to a store. Um, she cut my pay without telling me. I figured that out on my own when I stopped getting as much money in my paycheck. Um, so I was, I was really in a, a bitter state. You know, I thought I worked hard. It had always carried me. I worked hard. My employees liked me that I managed. Um, you know, everything was, you know, everything I'd done in the past, you know, wasn't working anymore. I wasn't able to, to move on to another job. I was kind of stuck where I was at. And then we, we were supposed to be going to this Connection Conference, and I absolutely did not want to go um, to Connection Conference. Um, I was probably pretty mean to my wife, actually, about it. Um, did not want to go. Um, after the first service, I figured out that Jay actually had an extra ticket, and that's why I got to go, because I wasn't actually supposed to go to the conference um, to begin with. But, um, you know, I was, was angry about being there, didn't want to be there whatsoever. I was not... You know, really didn't want anything to do with church even, but, you know, I was in this situation, and John Revere gets up, and he starts speaking, and he talks about honor, and he talks about three types of people in your life that you honor, and he talks that you have the people that you're in charge of, you have your peers, and then you have the people that are in charge of you, the authority that's over you, and when he started talking about authority, it was like, right then there, God flipped a switch and was like, that's your problem, right there, that you don't honor authority, that... You know, that, that you have a problem with that. And then I realized, I mean, it was just like a, a switch had flipped. I realized that, that that was a problem and that that was something that I had to fix and it was going to, you, know, um, you know, hopefully help things. But I still had to go back to my old job. I still had to go back to the place I didn't want to be and I didn't know what to do. I was dealing with these things, but I knew God had, had told me to move. So 
Um, I went back to the store where I had hardly any customers and I didn't really know what to, to, to do except that when I got all my work done and I was sitting there in silence, I would read my Bible and I would pray for this boss that I didn't like and I would pray for the people in my past and authority that, um, that had, had treated me bad and that I had treated bad because I didn't respect that authority. So, you know, in that time period it goes by, I'm praying for this, this boss, I'm praying for these people, and, you know, it, it, God really made a huge change in me, and I still didn't know where we were going with this at that point, but a guy that I had worked with, who was still a friend of mine, um, but I had realized that when we were younger in our careers, we were promoted about the same time, but I was an assistant manager, he was a manager, and we were always friends, we kind of came up together, so I never treated him like he was my boss. You know, I'd not necessarily I'd like kind of undermine him, but not really listen to him, do my own thing. And in the midst of that, and God convicted me, I realized that I needed to call him, which I still talk to him all the time. I needed to call him. And I needed to apologize for not, you know, treating him like he was my boss all those years prior. So I call him and I apologize to him and, you know, everything's water under the bridge. It's good. But I didn't realize that in the, the midst of that, he had been applying for jobs to get out of our company for about six months, and he had no luck whatsoever. wasn't getting any interviews or anything, but um, right around that same time period that I talked to him, all of a sudden, all these companies started calling him and, and offering him interviews. And he um, had an interview, got hired at a job, and um, accepted it. And then within like a day, uh, another company offered him a job as well. But the second company was the company he actually really wanted to work for. It was sales, more what he wanted to do. So he, um, he called me and told me about the job that he, was, he had already accepted, but he was going to go back. And he actually went to the company that I work for today, went to our HR department in person, apologized that he accepted the job but wasn't going to be able to take it. But he said, I know exactly it would be perfect for this job. And I told him to put his application in. Um, and then within a week, I got hired, and I got moved over to the company that I'm at now. And... Um, you know, I, I went into that position, and it was an entry-level position. I'm going from management to entry-level, but I just decided that I'm going to go in. I'm going to, you know, honor my boss, work hard, you know, totally different change of attitude over years past. So within um, eight months after I got out of training, a position came open for a promotion, and I was there a lot less than most people that were applying for this. Um, but in honoring my boss, I went to her, which she's a, a great boss and really has worked to develop me. But I went to her and just asked her if it was something that I should apply for. Or, you know, I wanted to see what the, for the next step, what the interview process was like and everything. So she told me to go ahead and I ended up getting that job. So within eight months, I got promoted to, you know, back into a leadership position this time. Um, you know, more aligned with, you know, how things should really be. Um, and that boss, I didn't really say in the first service, but that boss, she's a Christian, best boss I think I've ever had, really invested into me, developed me um, as a leader, you know, kind of shored up all the, you know, weaknesses and things like that. And then as time goes by, um, she kind of turned me loose, let me work with other people in our department, other managers, um, kind of helped change a lot of things and kind of progress the department. And in the meantime, her boss, which is our assistant vice president um, over that department, um, you know, I had worked with her a lot and got some exposure. And last August, um, we had a vice president of sales who had only been there for two months. We started in June. And he had this position 
to have somebody come in and change education development for our agents that are out in the field. I work for an insurance company. And um, he came to our AVP and he said, um, you know, do you have anybody that can do this job? He said, we have one person, and it's Jeff Vale. Um, he's the only person that would be able to do the job. Um, so I applied for it, and it was a tough field, and I ended up getting promoted into that position, moved out. I work with our executives. I get to work with our, our field force. But the point is, is that, you know, if I was still the same person prior to God flipping that switch, she would have never been able to develop me as a leader. She would have never been able to, to, to work with me, and I would have never got promoted to, to the position that I'm at now. Um, it, I, that old person, the old person I was before, would not have been able to take the correction, would not have been able to, you know, sometimes you, in, when somebody's an authority over you, you have to do things that you don't necessarily understand sometimes. Um, so, you know, it, within a four-year turnaround, you know, when I thought, you know, Things were, were going down the tubes for me, and, and um, that's it. God did a, a huge, huge change, and it was so practical. You know, it was just, uh, you know, that I was, I was not honoring that authority in my life. Can you guys thank Jeff? Thanks, man. What a great, what a great example of repentance, of Lord putting his finger on something and just saying, yes, Lord. And allowing him to change us. And maybe there's something that was said today. Maybe it was about prayer. Maybe it was about kindness. Maybe it was about honor. And Lord, just putting his finger on that. And your response is going to be, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, I want the very best that you have for me. And I tell you, Jeff's not the same guy today that he was four years ago. It's simply because he, he, under, he, he learned this. Lord showed him this, revealed this to him. And he responded to it. One final thing, and this really... When I found this in, in this pattern in First Timothy and Second Timothy, it really, it, it, it really actually surprised me. And it says here in your notes, it says to to respond to others with with carefulness. Probably should say carefully, but respond to others carefully. This is, these are the two verses that I want to point out. Now, they're both in the message, so it's a little bit different than NIV or the, the New King James. But it says First Timothy five nineteen. It says, "Don't listen to unfounded complaints against leaders." That if there's accusations made, but there's no basis for it, there's not multiple witnesses, it's like, don't, it's unfounded, don't listen to it. First Timothy 5.23, the message says, don't worry too much about your critics. And this is the, this is the verse where he's telling Timothy, Timothy's having some issues with his stomach, and so he tells him to take some wine to, to help medicate that, to help, and so it must have somehow, she must have been catching some flack, some criticism over that. Uh, because he says, don't worry too much about your critics. And I began to think about that. And I began to think about how, you know, how we can treat others with prayer. We can treat each other with kindness. We can treat each other with honor. But how do we treat those that are critical towards us? How do we respond with, to them? How do we not take it so personal that we don't allow it to cripple us? Because anybody who's out ahead, anybody who's making a difference, anybody who is striving to fulfill what God has called you to fulfill, you will receive criticism. It it will happen. And sometimes those voice of criticism are the loudest voices you can hear. It may be the voice of your mom or the voice of your dad or a voice of a teacher or somebody who spoke critically, unfounded, critically towards you. And you just hear that echo. You hear that. And I believe the Lord wants to heal some people of that today, to take that voice out that, that is, it says, as it says, don't worry too much about your critics. 
Don't worry. Don't let that affect you. Don't let that stop you. He's saying, he's telling Timothy, don't let that hold you back from what God has for you. And we were able to travel uh, the last several weeks. We went to our most recent pastor's convention in D.C., and we took a week's vacation after that, and we were able to drive. went to D.C., we went to Philadelphia, uh, we went to Boston, I went to New York, uh, we went up into Massachusetts, into Cape Cod. We went to all these areas that are just so much rich history of the founding of our nation, of just... Of, of just some patriots, of just incredible people. And of all the statues, of all the monuments that I saw, do you know I didn't see one that was dedicated to a critic? Not one. There was not one for a critic. It was to those that didn't listen to critics. Now, I'm not talking about wise counsel from somebody that's trying to help you. I'm talking about a critic. These patriots, these leaders that we've had, they they didn't listen. People in the Bible that made a difference, they may have experienced criticism, but they didn't let it stop them. Don't let it stop you. Let's let's pray together. Lord, thank you for this morning. Lord, thank you for your word, Lord. Lord, I pray right now, Lord, you'd begin to continue, Lord, to begin and to continue to touch people's hearts, Lord. Lord, where do we need to respond, Lord, in regard to prayer, in regard to kindness, in regard to honor in regard to not letting criticism bitter our heart, Lord. In your own way, just respond to the Lord this morning. Just respond to Him. So what He's placing on your heart and what He's talking to you about in your own life. What's He put His finger on? You need to say, yes, Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you've never honored the Lord by placing him first in your life. You've been in charge of your life. You've been the king of your life. Today you have an opportunity to honor the Lord. Give him that rightful place as Lord and as master, as boss, as king of your heart, and of your life. And if you're here today and you've not received Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior, if you've walked away from Him, you've left, and today you want to come back home. Today you want to, to honor the Lord. You want to make things right with the Lord today. I want to pray for you. I'm not going to, I'm not going to call you up, but I am going to ask you to raise your hand or, or make eye contact with me. Get my attention, not for me, but for you. So you can acknowledge before the Lord that you need him. Anybody here like that this morning? You need to do that. You need to get things right with the Lord. Just get my attention. All right. Lord, I just pray, Lord, the work that you're doing in people's hearts, Lord. Lord, you would set it in motion, Lord. It would produce the fruit that you've intended. In Jesus' name, amen.